0: St. Werbeck's Derby. As Amy just reminded us on our Brilliant Kids uh, uh, video 10.15 this morning, if you haven't watched it, do go back and watch it again later on with your children. Um, But today's Mothering Sunday and um, it's a weird Mothering Sunday. Mums, I'm sorry, you are probably not going to be uh, blessed and cared for in quite the same way that you normally would be. Um, but we love you. We thank you. I, certainly in my house, I know that if it wasn't for Anna, um, everything would have fallen apart very quickly this week. They are keeping our families ticking over. They're looking after us and protecting us, helping us to structure our days and plan things and do everything else. And possibly, and I'm and not everyone's going to be in this situation, but I'm guessing for a lot of people, um, uh it's there is a whole homeschooling thing that is now developing and uh there are some fears that may be coming around that as people um are trying to work out what that might look like i saw um some amusing facebook posts this week one person who said day one of homeschooling uh that two kids got suspended for fighting and the and the teacher got um uh, sacked for drinking on the job which i i found quite funny um but uh mums we are so grateful for everything that you are doing right now to look after your kids of whatever age. Mums who are in isolation, mums who are um, slightly older. Uh, we love you. We honour you. We and and we love you so much so that we're not going to come and visit you today. Um, uh, we really do love you and thank you for everything you do. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to crack on with. Uh, a bit of a thought for today. Loving Father, we we come before you in the midst of these strange, crazy, weird times that we are living through. Lord, we are trying to navigate each day with all the different challenges that come upon us, with all the practical realities, but also the emotions and the fears and the concerns that we are all grappling with and so we want to see the good stuff that's going on in the midst of this all Lord we thank you for community we thank you for people who are thinking of others we thank you for our NHS staff for our teachers for our delivery drivers Lord we thank you for them we pray for our government as they have to make some unbelievably difficult decisions Lord will you give them great wisdom and discernment in the midst of everything that they face And Lord today we want to thank you for mums and women everywhere. Lord we pray your blessing upon them. May they know that they are loved. It may not be the normal way uh, today for Mothering Sunday but we pray that they will still know deep down that they are loved by all. We are so grateful for everything that they do and we praise you for them. So we ask that you speak to us now, uh, use this time together um, online and we ask that you will by the power of your spirit speak to each and every one of us we ask this in jesus name amen amen so um we as a church have been journeying through the book of acts over the last six or seven weeks or so and today uh, we're going to finish up that story if you're if you're new to us today and you haven't been part of the journey it's so good that you're with us we are so grateful that you're here uh, online with us today Um, and we would love you to if you're interested you can go back and hear some of our previous talks um, on our podcast you've got plenty of time now so you can listen to some of them but we've been using as we've gone through the book of Acts we've been using this idea this metaphor of these ever-increasing circles and uh, the reason for that is because in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 we read that Jesus said to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Acts is kind of the second part of the story of Jesus. Uh, in Luke, who wrote Acts, wrote uh, the, his first book, which is the Gospel of Luke, which is all about the, the, what Jesus started to do amongst Uh, his disciples, how he lived and how he acted, how he cared for people, how he prayed for people, how he loved the outsider and then ultimately how he showed his love for all of us by going to the cross, sacrificing himself so that we may know love and freedom and hope and he took our place, he died our death but resurrection happened, he came alive, he defeated death so that we can have Life and a relationship with Him forever, and then as we get into Acts, we read this ongoing story of how, how Jesus is then at work in and amongst His disciples and His followers as the church starts to form. Yes, Jesus moves. Jesus goes ascends up into heaven at the um, end of chapter one. He um, disappears up into heaven, and He is alive in heaven right now, interceding for us at the right hand of God. But he gave them this promise. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which was the city, the centre of, um, of Israel, the, the capital place. It, Jerusalem, Judea. Judea was the part of Israel that Jerusalem was in. Samaria, which was just beyond that. And then to the ends of the earth, there were ever increasing circles. And that when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity of God, that we will have that power to go out and to uh, be witnesses in ever-increasing circles. And today we get to the end of that story. We're in uh, right at the very end of Acts, Acts chapter 28, verse 31. We read that Paul is now in Rome. He's gone from Jerusalem Through some of the surrounding areas, through Israel, out into the other places, and Ephesus and Philippi and various other places, and then he's finally got to Rome. In their mind, he is literally at the ends of the earth. But what's fascinating for us today—I should have got these this verses ready um, beforehand—is not just the final verse of Acts, but is the one just before that. And so I'm going to read these two verses uh, to us this morning. Acts chapter 28 verses 30 and 31. For two whole years Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This was the passage that I was set to preach on today anyway, Um, but I find it fascinating that as we get to the end of Acts, Paul is in house arrest for two years. He is in social distancing, self-isolation for two years on his own, but yet in the midst of that he's praying for boldness and without hindrance, to proclaim the good news of Jesus to everybody who comes and visits him. Now, Paul's situation was different. Paul was, was under arrest rather than uh, a virus that was going around. But um, he was able to use that time whilst he was at home on his own to continue to point other people to Jesus. How did we get here? what what's been the journey that's got here for paul we we finished our last sermon in acts 19 and in acts chapter 19 paul is in ephesus and in ephesus uh paul there's this riot that happens and um there's a whole load of commotion because paul is trying to teach people about following the way the way of jesus into Acts chapter 20, we journey that Paul then goes to Macedonia and to Greece to keep proclaiming this message about Jesus. And then Paul goes back in chapter 21 to Jerusalem. And when he's in Jerusalem, he gets arrested. He then, um, in chapter 22, he, uh, goes up to, um, to preach to a crowd in front of, on the steps in front of the prison, he kind of this whole crowd of people who are kind of baying for his blood, really. They're kind of angry and against him because they think he is uh, leaving the, the, the Jewish way and um, the, the Jewish kind of faith, and they are absolutely um, furious with him. So Paul, in chapter 22, then gets, goes before the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin is kind of it's it's the kind of council of elders. It's the way that they did their, um, their, their, their trials and their law and their way of law at that point. And, and Paul gets taken up before the Sanhedrin. But there is a plot to kill him. The people are so disgusted and frustrated with him that they're like, we've got to kill him. We've got to get rid of him. And so uh, the Sanhedrin decide to move him from Jerusalem to Caesarea when in chapter four we read he goes before governor Felix what a great name by the way Felix um governor Felix but Felix he listens to the arguments he listens to the debates against Paul but he doesn't he's just kind of too weak he doesn't really want to do anything about it he kind of faffs around for two years and not doesn't make any decisions then Felix um is kind of succeeded by another governor a guy called Festus governor Festus and again, Festus doesn't really know what to do with it. He kind of grabs it on his first day in the job, but then he kind of says, I, I, I don't really know what the legal stance is here. And he's concerned. And so Festus passes it from governor, from Sahedron to governor to governor, now goes up to king, King Agrippa. In, uh, and then in chapter 26 of Acts, we read that King Agrippa says, I don't understand. And so he chooses to send Paul to Caesar in Rome the top man who's ruling over the whole uh, Roman Empire at that point Paul now has to go and see him and so in chapter 27 Paul sets sail to go to Rome uh, but whilst on the way to Rome a storm blows up the ship that he's in gets shipwrecked and they are in all sorts of trouble they end up on Malta And whilst they're at Malta, Paul gets bitten by a snake, a viper, but he um, uh, manages to survive that. And then eventually, in chapter 28, he ends up in Rome under house arrest. It's been a heck of a journey. He's been through all sorts of persecution and difficulties and challenges. Uh, he's He's survived all sorts of threats against him, only to end up in Rome and to be under house arrest. Stuck. But in the midst of all of the different challenges and the difficulties that he faces, Paul is able to keep taking the opportunity to proclaim Jesus. He keeps pointing people to him. Hope, not fear. Faith, not fear, is Paul's mantra. Let's point people to Jesus in the midst of everything that is going on. So what do we learn from this story? What do we, what can we, how can we be inspired by what Paul is trying to tell us? Well, I think firstly, this starts with the fact that Paul had met Jesus. His conversion moment that we read about in Acts chapter 9, where Saul, his previous name, where he meets on the road to Damascus, Jesus, or as Peter K would call it, the road to Domestos. But that road to Damascus moment where, where Paul, who was persecuting Christians, where he was trying to round them up and throw them into jail. And, and he was stood, we believe, uh, by Stephen when Stephen was stoned to death. He was so adamantly against the Christian faith. But everything changed when Paul met Jesus for himself. Suddenly this relationship with Jesus became real for him. And so it totally transformed Paul's way of thinking, his whole life, his whole mindset, because suddenly Jesus was alive and was real for him the question and the people who were now taking Paul into trial was about because they thought he had left the Jewish faith that he had converted to some kind of new religion but actually Paul was still from what we understand and how we read other parts of his letters and his story he was a very Torah observant Jew he was still believing in the way of the Jewish mindset and faith but what he had converted to was this understanding and this belief that Jesus is the messiah that Jesus is the chosen one. He is the anointed one. And although everyone else had rejected him and had sent him to the cross, Paul was now absolutely 100% convinced that Jesus is the Messiah. If you want to know a bit more about what, what that meant for the Jewish mindset, I'd, I'd encourage you to listen to our previous podcast from last week when I was preaching about that in Acts chapter 19. But what it meant was that Paul was saying, it is true. I've met the resurrected Jesus. I know that I am forgiven. I've experienced love like no other. I have found hope and meaning and purpose. But it was all because he had met Jesus. So much so that Paul was able to say that I that he knew that this was worth dying for, that he was going to take any persecution that came towards him, that he was going to respond those things because he was committed absolutely 100% he had met Jesus it was true and it was real and it had changed his life help comfort meaning all come from Jesus peace healing forgiveness it is Jesus and Paul's whole way of life had been completely transformed because of that Uh, meeting with Jesus on the road to Damascus. Paul also, as he journeyed through this, would have had fears and doubts. He wasn't some kind of superhero. He was just a normal guy who was trying to work all of this out. He had been transformed from that first meeting with, with Jesus. But as he went through everything that he went through, persecution, imprisonment, Shipwrecks, snake bites, fear of the future. I'm, I'm sure Paul would have been a man that would have held to some kind of sense of personal questions. He must have had fears and doubts. He must have had physical chains that would have held him back. That would have said, "How does my faith mean anything? What is it? What is the truth to this? Whilst I am bound physically into this place and can't go out." For us also, whilst we are now in this moment of self-isolation, whilst we are distancing ourselves from other people to help dampen the spread of this virus, we know that whilst we're stuck in homes and in our situations, this will highlight to us, this will show us some of our fears and our doubts and our questions. What are the things that really make us tick? It It will help us see ourselves more clearly. But yet in the midst of all of this, Paul continued to have faith and he continued to encourage others. And I believe personally, as he encouraged others, he would be also encouraging himself. In Acts 27, when he's in the shipwreck in particular, we read a couple of times, Paul says things like, I urge you to keep your courage. He says, do not be afraid. And then in verse 25 of chapter 27, he says, so keep your courage, men, for I have faith in God. Now, he says men doesn't. Uh, it's because he's literally talking to a group of men. But let's for all of us, let's expand that. So keep your courage, all of you. For I have faith in God. And he encourages others and encourage in encouraging others. He's encouraging himself. Again, Paul would also have been a Torah observant Jew. He would have known the Old Testament back to front. He would have known all the different promises, all the different um, claims about who God is and how he operates. He would have had all of that stored up as a kind of backstory for him. And I'm sure he would have delved into the Psalms or various other other bits and kind of pulled out hope and faith from that. For me this week, one of the verses that I have been praying through and grappling with and holding on to as a promise is Psalm 46, verse one. I asked, um, I asked Zoe to draw this out for me because I wanted to kind of a, a, a physical copy of this and I wanted her to do it uh, well. So I'm just going to show this to you all. But this is Psalm 46, verse one. God is our refuge and strength an ever present help in trouble therefore we will not fear Paul would have known that verse Paul would have absolutely known that verse and he would have held on to verses like that and other promises like that as he uh, went through all the different times that he faced I also believe that Paul would have had an unbelievable prayer life that that first encounter with Jesus would have encouraged him to continue that relationship with Jesus on into his own personal prayer times and we can read all sorts of different Paul's prayers all the way through the letters that he wrote to other people to other churches um, and we can read certain things but there would have been something about his own doubts and fears that he would have taken to God in prayer he would have used the time that he had To grapple with these questions with Jesus. So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for all of us? I've got three things that I think that we can learn from these stories and apply to us for today. First thing is, have you got a story to tell? Paul retold his story in so many different places. We read it in Acts 9, Luke's version of the story of what happened on the road to Damascus. But for um, Paul himself, he retells it. He retells it in Acts chapter 22. He retells it in Acts chapter 26. He keeps telling the story. What is the story that you have to tell? What is your journey to faith? And if you don't have a journey to faith or if you are on that journey of faith now I want to encourage you to use this time. Use this time that we have all now been given, unless you work for the NHS or another key worker, that you have been blessed with time. Use it to invest in your relationship with Jesus. Search him, ask questions, take your doubts to him. He wants to hear from you. I've said it before and I'll say it again. As a dad, Of kids. When my kids are upset and they just cry at me, I find it quite frustrating because I can't do anything about it. But when my kids come to me and tell me what's troubling them, when they tell me what's on their hearts, I can actually step in and help them. I can do something about it. God is our Heavenly Father who wants to hear from you. And so in these days and in these moments, can I encourage you with all of my heart to seek Him? seek truth seek hope create your story with him so that you have a story to tell and if you have already got a story to tell keep telling it it will encourage you it will encourage the people around you as that you point other people to jesus second thing i think we can do is that we can pray we can give those feelings and those fears to god we can take all of them to him so use the Psalms if you need to. Use the wo- the words that are already written out for us in other ways. Use that to kind of inspire your prayer life. Hold on to the promises that we find in Psalm 46 verse 1 in various other places. Take your, your questions and your concerns to him in prayer. We um we haven't quite worked out how we can do worship in this kind of environment yet. And I kind of uh, me stuck in my room at home moment. Uh, but what we have done is we've created a couple of playlists on Spotify. I want to really encourage you to go and listen to those playlists. I know that for myself personally, I've really been ministered to through, um, listening to one of the playlists on there, um, really helped me to kind of hold on to the faith that I have and use that as prayer in the midst of a difficult and challenging week. We've got a, uh, One's playlist is already up there. I think both playlists are already on. Uh, um, We've got a kid's version and we've got an adult version. Um, Please go and listen to that as much as you want. Use that to pray, to worship, to seek God Um, or any other worship stuff that's out there. There's plenty. Um, Go and explore what you may find. But the third thing that we learn from this story and the things that we can take on into our lives right now is that Paul used every opportunity to continue to point people to Jesus. He did it with boldness and without hindrance to proclaim the good news of Jesus time and time again. I think there are two things in particular in the midst of that that we can do that will help us to do those things. I think the first thing is that I think people are absolutely longing for connection. Why, Why have we seen communities, streets, blocks of flats respond to little messages through the door because right now whilst people are being removed people are hungry for some sort of connection with people. I had a message yesterday from someone who said that they're so blessed to be part of a church community especially when they see some of their friends who don't have that type of community around them to support them and I think we have an opportunity to build that Yes, it's going to look different. Yes, it's going to be diff- be odd and it's going to deal with screens and, um, you know, it depends on how good your Wi-Fi and broadband is and all of those types of things. But people are longing for connection. And we have an opportunity to build that and to take those opportunities to point people to Jesus. The second thing I think people are longing for is that I think they are h- hungry for and they are desperate for hope. And truth something that is trustworthy that they can go i can stand on this when everything else is being ripped apart and ripped away from them and they're in a, their own situations they're going what what is real what is true where can i find hope and i think again in that we have something to say something to offer to the community and to the people around us that we're connecting with. in particular i think we're going to find a whole community of people who are hungry for prayer People who will question and will ask for prayer at times like this than they have never done before. One of the ways I think that we could be creating that connection and helping people in this moment is we could just put up on our social media. How can I pray for you? What can I pray for you? And just I I have a sense and a feeling that we will be um, we'll get all sorts of responses. I think people will explore and ask these questions in ways that they've never done before. And so I challenge you to do it. I challenge you this week to do that, to just ask people via social media or emails or phone calls, whatever works for you, how can I pray for you right now? And I think people will be hoping for for that opportunity to say what's on their hearts and minds. Having said all those things, I would love us now to pray I want to um, do something with us all uh, as we pray together and I'm going to use we're going to use our hands for this hopefully you've all washed your hands uh, so that's good keep washing your hands but right now as we we pray together can I encourage you to start off with by having your palms out and your hands up I'd love you to think about as we pray what are the things that you're carrying what are the doubts fears the concerns all the burdens that are sitting with you right now and as you hold your hands out bring them to god Name them before Him, and then can I encourage you just to slowly turn your hands over? And as you turn your hands over, feel those burdens and those challenges and those concerns dropping out of your hands. Loving Father, we want to place all of these fears, doubts, questions uncertainties we want to give them to you we want to ask that you will take them from us and that we may know peace as we leave them with you a peace that passes all understanding and then now let's turn our hands back the other way and as we do that I'm going to ask that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill each and every one of us right now. Fill us so that we may know your peace, your comfort, your hope, that we may know that we are not alone, but also fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we may take every opportunity. To point people to Jesus, that we may proclaim with boldness and without hindrance the good news that Jesus loves us. So fill us with you, we ask. Romans 15 says this May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May you be filled. May your hands be filled with the Holy Spirit and hope. Amen.